Section 2 of An American Tragedy, Volume 2, by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Book 2, Chapter 40. Two incidents which occurred at this time tended still more to sharpen the contrary points of view holding between Clyde and Roberta. One of these was no more than a glimpse, which Roberta had one evening, of Clyde pausing at the Central Avenue curb in front of the post office to say a few words to Arabella Stark, who, in a large and impressive-looking car, was waiting for her father, who was still in the Stark building opposite. And Miss Stark, fashionably outfitted according to the season, her world and her own pretentious taste, was effectively posed at the wheel, not only for the benefit of Clyde, but the public in general. And to Roberta, who by now was reduced to the verge of distraction between Clyde's delay and her determination to compel him to act in her behalf, she appeared to be little less than an epitome of all the security, luxury and freedom from responsibility which so enticed and hence caused clyde to delay and be as indifferent as possible to the dire state which confronted her for alas apart from this claim of her condition what had she to offer him comparable to all he would be giving up in case he acceded to her request nothing a thought which was far from encouraging yet at this moment contrasting her own wretched and neglected state with that of this miss stark for example she found herself a prey to an even more complaining and antagonistic mood than had hitherto characterized her. It was not right. It was not fair. For during the several weeks that had passed since they last discussed the matter, Clyde had scarcely said a word to her at the factory or elsewhere, let alone called upon her at her room, fearing as he did the customary inquiry which he could not satisfy, and this caused her to feel that not only was he neglecting, but resenting her most sharply. And yet, as she walked home from this trivial and fairly representative scene, her heart was not nearly so angry as it was sad and sore, because of the love and comfort that had vanished, and was not likely ever to come again. Ever, ever, ever. Oh, how terrible. How terrible. On the other hand, Clyde, and at approximately the same time, was called upon to witness a scene identified with Roberta, which, as some might think, only an ironic or even malicious fate could have intended or permitted to come to pass. For motoring north the following Sunday to Arrow Lake to the Lodge of the Trumbulls to take advantage of an early spring weekend planned by Sandra, the party, on nearing Bilt's, which was in the direct line of the trip, was compelled to detour east in the direction of Roberta's home, and coming finally to a north and south road which ran directly from Trippettsville past the Alden Farm, they turned north into that and a few minutes later came directly to the corner adjoining the Alden Farm, where an east and west road led to Bilt's. Here Tracy Trumbull, driving at the time, requested that someone should get out and inquire at the adjacent farmhouse as to whether this road did lead to Bilt's, and Clyde, being nearest to one door, jumped out, and then, glancing at the name on the mailbox which stood at the junction, and evidently belonged to the extremely dilapidated old farmhouse on the rise above, he was not a little astonished to note that the name was that of Titus Alden, Roberta's father. Also, as it instantly came to him, since she had described her parents as being near Bilt's, this must be her home. It gave him pause, caused him for the moment to hesitate as to whether to go on or not, for once he had given Roberta a small picture of himself, and she might have shown it up here. Again, the mere identification of this lorn, dilapidated realm with Roberta and hence himself was sufficient to cause him to wish to turn and run. But Sandra, who was sitting next to him in the car, and now noting his hesitation, called, "'What's the matter, Clyde? Afraid of the bow-wow?' 
and he, realizing instantly that they would comment further on his actions if he did not proceed at once, started up the path. But the effect of this house, once he contemplated it thoroughly, was sufficient to arouse in his brain the most troubled and miserable of thoughts. For what a house, to be sure! So lonely and bare, even in this bright spring weather. The decayed and sagging roof, the broken chimney to the north, rough lumps of cemented field stones lying at its base, the sagging and semi-toppling chimney to the south, sustained in place by a log chain, the unkempt path from the road below which slowly he ascended. He was not a little dejected by the broken and displaced stones which served as steps before the front door, and the unpainted, dilapidated outbuildings, all the more dreary because of these others. Gee, to think that this was Roberta's home, and to think, in the face of all that he now aspired to in connection with Sandra and this social group at Lycurgus, she should be demanding that he marry her, and Sandra and the car with him here to see, if not know. The poverty! The reduced grimness of it all! How far he had traveled away from just such a beginning as this! With a weakening and sickening sensation at the pit of his stomach, as of some blow administered there, he now approached the door. And then, as if to further distress him, if that were possible, the door was opened by Titus Alden, who, in an old threadbare and out-at-elbows coat, as well as baggy, worn jean trousers, and rough, shimeless, ill-fitting country shoes, desired by his look to know what he wanted. And Clyde, being taken aback by his clothes, as well as a marked resemblance to Roberta about the eyes and mouth, now as swiftly as possible asked if the east and west road below ran through Bilt's, and joined the main highway north. And although he would have preferred a quick yes, so that he might have turned and gone, Titus preferred to step down into the yard, and then, with a gesture of his arm, indicate that if they wanted to strike a really good part of the road, they had better follow this Trippettsville north and south road for at least two more miles, and then turn west. Clyde thanked him briefly and turned almost before he had finished, and hurried away. For, as he now recalled, and with an enormous sense of depression, Roberta was thinking, and at this very time, that soon now, in the face of all Lycurgus had to offer him, Sandra, the coming spring and summer, the love and romance, gaiety, position, power, he was going to give all that up and go away with her and marry her, sneak away to some out-of-the-way place. Oh, how horrible! And with a child at his age! Oh, why had he ever been so foolish and weak as to identify himself with her in this intimate way, just because of a few lonely evenings? Oh, why, why couldn't he have waited, and then this other world would have opened up to him just the same? If only he could have waited! And now, unquestionably, unless he could speedily and easily disengage himself from her, all this other splendid recognition would be destined to be withdrawn from him, and this other world from which he sprang might extend its gloomy, poverty-stricken arms to him and envelop him once more, just as the poverty of his family had enveloped and almost strangled him from the first. And it even occurred to him, in a vague way for the first time, how strange it was that this girl and he, whose origin had been strikingly similar, should have been so drawn to each other in the beginning. Why should it have been? How strange life was anyway. But even more harrowing than this was the problem of a way out that was before him, and his mind from now on, on this trip, was once more searching for a solution. A word of complaint from Roberta or her parents to his uncle or Gilbert, and assuredly he would be done for. The thought so troubled him that once in the car, and although previously he had been chattering along with the others about what might be in store ahead in the way of divertissement, he now sat silent. And Sandra, who sat next to him and who previously had been whispering at intervals of her plans for the summer, now, instead of resuming the patter, whispered, "'What come over this sweet thing?' 
When Clyde appeared to be the least reduced in mind, she most affected this patter with him, since it had an almost electric, if sweetly tormenting, effect on him. His baby-talking girl, he sometimes called her. Facey all dark now. Little while ago, Facey all smiles. Come make Facey all nice again. Smile at Sandra. Squeeze Sandra's arm like good boy, Clyde. She turned and looked up into his eyes to see what, if any effect, this baby-worded cajolery was having, and Clyde did his best to brighten up, of course. But even so, and in the face of all this amazingly wonderful love on her part for him, the specter of Roberta and all that she represented now in connection with all this was ever before him. Her state, her very recent edict in regard to it, the obvious impossibility of doing anything now but go away with her. Why, rather than let himself in for a thing like that, would it not be better, and even though he lost Sandra once and for all, for him to decamp as in the instance of the slain child in Kansas City, and be heard of nevermore here? But then he would lose Sandra, his connections here, and his uncle. This world! The loss! The loss! The misery of once more drifting about here and there, of being compelled to write his mother once more concerning certain things about his flight, which someone writing from here might explain to her afterwards, and so much more damagingly and then the thoughts concerning him on the part of his relatives. And of late he had been writing his mother that he was doing so well. What was it about his life that made things like this happen to him? Was this what his life was to be like, running away from one situation and another just to start all over somewhere else? Perhaps only to be compelled to flee from something worse? No, he could not run away again. He must face it and solve it in some way. He must. God! End of Book 2, Chapter 40